Welcome to the Lead Defend Podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now, here are your hosts. Hey, welcome to Lead Defend Podcast. This is Ryan and Brock, and we hey, have everybody. a special guest here with us. Hello. It's Nick Hobbs from yeah. J.B. Hunt. And so, Nick, what is your role at J.B. Hunt? I am the Chief Operating Officer at J.B. Okay, Hunt. Okay, so COO, but really you've been in the company for a while. Yes, sir. I've been there since 1984, come out of the U of A, uh, graduated there with a finance degree, and uh, was just going to go there for a little bit because I wanted to get in banking, and uh, wound up loving it. Uh, dealing with people, dealing with drivers, and so just worked my way up my career. So I've been there 37 years and wow. various different roles. That's incredible. Well, we are so, so grateful that you're on the podcast yeah, today. thanks for being here. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of guys, especially young guys, young gals, they look at someone like you and kind of see, I, I want to get to that point at a company someday, whatever that company might be. But what they don't see are the, the 37 years prior and yeah. even probably years before that that led up to the position mm. that you're in now. So we just maybe walk us through, first first question, when was the first time you realized that you were a leader? And then what are the different leadership positions you've held before having the position you have now? Yeah, well, I've, I've held a lot of them through my <laughs> career. but uh, So there's a lot in that question there. But I would just say, first, the, the biggest struggle I had was patience. Okay. Mm. Uh, I wanted to to move up quickly, mm -hmm. um, and I always compared myself to a couple of peers. I was the third management trainee in the company, so every time the two ahead of me moved, I thought I ought to be moving right after that. And that's a process that's still going. Yeah. So you were one on, of the forerunners. Yeah, so it's still going. We've got – we hire um, probably 500 or more DMITs, managers wow. in training each okay. year nationwide. Um, so, yeah, it's still going, evolving training. But when I was young, it was a challenge because um, they were just, one, getting in the training program. So they were trying to cut their teeth and learn along the ways. And so we learned a lot as we kind of went through there. But there was a lot of lessons I learned. One was patience, just as other people promoted up. I just had to be patient on my time. Yeah. My skill set was a little bit different than someone else's. Right. But um, so learn to be patient, and that was hard. Uh, but the other thing, I always try to position myself, and uh, this is what I tell young people coming in. I, I try to differentiate myself uh, from my peers. And so not in a prideful way or not anything, but I want the difficult assignments. Yeah. Uh, I want to look for the hard work, prove I can handle that. Uh, so if there's a hard assignment, something, I want that. Uh when I was managing drivers, and I still have the drivers at J.B. Hunt today, 25,000 of them, and all different personalities. So I always wanted the difficult ones, the challenging sure. ones to yeah. communicate with. Uh, one, it made me a better person, but then it showed that I could deal with different personalities and give me different opportunities. Absolutely. And so it was just a lot of things going through there. And then I was a young manager trying to – Supervise my dad, basically. Wow. Mm. Um, and so that was a challenge. So your dad works for you? No, no, but okay. it's like my father, uh, meaning they were 20 years older yeah, than me absolutely. or 25. Okay. I'd never driven a truck, and their famous thing to say is, man, you've never driven a truck, you can't relate. And so mm. uh, what I learned was empathy, okay, uh, sure. was to understand what they were doing. So I always picked 
four or five drivers that I got along really well, and I learned a lot from them. And so I would try to lead the other drivers along and ask questions mm. to get them to come to a, a decision that I would want them to come to by listening to others. And so I was just uh, empathetic with them and would listen to them. And so listening is a big skill. Um, as you're younger, you need to listen. Uh, it's the old saying, yet uh, one mouth and two ears. There's a reason for that. <laughs> and so young people, you need to listen a lot and learn and not think you have the answer to everything. And, and I, I went through that. I went through yeah. the school. So there's just a lot of uh, lessons uh, that I went through that through the years that's helped me a lot. You talk about empathy when you're a younger leader leading older veterans. Yeah. And so what else is important is you're a young fo- a young leader stepping up into positions where you have supervisory roles over yeah. folks that are older than you. Yeah, I, I think the main thing is, uh, I said one, and I think that's the most important is, is listening. Uh, to go in and understand and ask questions. And um, so when I'm, when I'm managing other folks that's got more experience than me, I try to get a lot of good resources. So I, I get a lot of peers. So I do a lot of prep work and try to get prepared for that role to mm-hmm. understand. So if it's truck drivers, I'm trying to understand how the truck operates and, and all those things and the frustration. And so I try to put myself in their position. So I do ride-alongs with them. Mm-hmm. So I go out and work with them in their world. And same thing with the mechanics uh, so that I can understand. I'm not as technical as they are, but I mm-hmm. get a general concept. And so I'm thinking through that. And then the other thing is I, I try to be very approachable. Sure. I try to be very humble uh, so that people want to come to me. And so uh, I listen to them about their personal lives, the challenges. So I get to know them on a personal level. And as I get to know them on a personal level, then I can have more influence over them. And so it's just the same thing today with COVID. Um, I've been vaccinated. My wife's been vaccinated, all my kids. Um, But today, uh, the uh, company to the north, the big one, uh, they said they're going to have all their corporate office vaccinated. The big one to the south said they're going to make everybody get vaccinated. We're trying to thread the needle and give everybody a choice and still provide uh, an opportunity for people to make choices. But I'm trying to influence uh, through my personal relationships if people have questions. And so I've had some heartfelt conversations. And so as you have some of those, um, they're upset because now their mom is sick with COVID or they got a brother and maybe they didn't get the shot and they wish they had it because they made that. So when you start having heartfelt conversations because you have influence and you've listened before, uh, then you have the power to influence and really be a leader. And leader is something that I think is, um, we want to say we get it because of the position, but I think we earn it. And so I think you earn it through working and building relationships. And I try to influence that way. And so in my leadership, I gather a lot of input before I make decisions. And so I, I work through all my different relationships and kind of build a consensus. 
And then every once in a while I have to make an unpopular decision and then I have to be willing to do that. Right. I think, you know, that, that idea of having a relationship with someone before you lead them yeah. is, is so important for, for us to understand. I know here Pastor Wes has, has said before, um, you know, people let you lead them. Yeah. And so I imagine it's easier to build that relationship when you've been somewhere as long as you have. And yeah. so can you maybe speak to what are the benefits of staying at one company for the time that you have? Have there ever been opportunities where you're you're asked to, to go somewhere else and you had to wrestle with, do I stay here or do I go? What what are those benefits of being at one place for a long time and leading there? Yeah, I, I actually resigned one time and told my <laughs> boss, and I've resigned many times and never told my <laughs> boss so, uh, on bad days. But uh, uh, that's a quote from a buddy of mine. Craig Harper says that all the time. I've, <laughs> he tells drivers that. Yeah. I've, I've resigned many times, but I just never told anybody. That's awesome. But, yeah, I've had opportunities to go other places, but that's where I think the patience mm-hmm. – um, will get you there in the end. If you're with a growth company and their morals are good, uh, they line up with your beliefs um, and they're growing, you need to stay there. If you're a good employee, you need to stay. You're going to be given all kinds of opportunities. If it's not a growth company, it may be a dead-end job. I'd recommend looking somewhere else. Or if their morals and values Mm. don't align with you, uh, they do some unethical or some shady things, that's another reason. But when you can get... God has really blessed me and put me in this position with a great company that my views align, and now I'm able to uh, influence those views a lot now in the position I'm in. But with Mr. and Ms. Hunt and others, our views really align, my views really aligned, and so it was good. And so I think there's benefits in patience. I've seen people that quit, uh, that thought they were going to quit and go get a little bit more money and move here. And they got a half a step ahead, and then now I look, and I'm about three or four steps ahead of them. And yeah, so sure. that's where I've seen the patience right. pay off. Mm. And uh, you just got to make sure you have your priorities right and what you want to do. So there's all kinds of quality, work-life balance, and, and that's important. But, man, I've raised a family, and i traveled all the time. And so um, it, it's just you got to find what works for you. But work-life balance is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I work – when I started, it was a lot of hours, and I spent a lot of time on the road. I still travel a lot. But my priority was my family and raising them and instilling my faith in them mm-hmm. and passing that faith along. And so um, we, we've tried to do that. Hopefully we were fairly success, successful. Uh, my son's a pastor in Denver doing a church yeah. plant. Mm-hmm. So uh, him and his wife and grandkids and my daughter's a part of that. So that was important yeah. uh, to have the priorities right. And so um, the company allowed me to do that while still traveling a lot wow. and just balancing all that. So right now, you're, you referenced earlier, you're in a position where you get to make decisions. I don't know if you get to or have to make <laughs> decisions that <laughs> influence <laughs> a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, but I imagine at different points along the journey, you were more in a position where other people's decisions influenced you. Mm-hmm. So as a leader kind of coming up in an organization, how do you live under leadership well? Yeah. I think that's the the thing. I have a respect for authority, and so uh, it's hard. I, I voice my opinion. I'm, I'm pretty direct. People mm-hmm. tell me I'm pretty direct. <laughs> uh, so I voice my opinion, but once we made the decision or my boss has made the decision, then I fall underneath that authority yeah. and I execute it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're behind closed doors, we, we have a conversation, and so that's where I try to be prepared to get my points across, um, and then I try to influence. But if we have to go a different decision, 
then I fall underneath that. Yeah. And I've had bad bosses uh, right. through the years. And uh, it's not all been perfect. It's been challenging. And so uh, as I've had bad bosses, that's another patience, humbleness, and just asking God, why am I here? What am I trying to learn from this situation? And I learned a lot of things that I didn't want to do, and I'm being very serious because of the way he managed. Wow. And so I learned a lot of things I didn't want to do as I developed my career. Absolutely. There are lessons things. to be learned that, even from bad that's leadership. Right. And sure. so I tried to look for that in those moments and say, what do I want to do differently when I get in that same position? And so I have no uh, problem uh, following authority. Um, here in our church, I follow Pastor Wes. And, and so from time to time, he'll ask input, and I'll give him my thoughts. And um, so I, I do what he wants yeah. to do in the end. So he solicits a lot of input from a lot of different folks mm-hmm. on a wide variety of topics Theology, he doesn't come to me on, but uh, if it's COVID or if it's uh, people stuff, then I get sure. some yeah. input on that. But I, I stay out of his theology stuff. Yeah, so we have, I think, a lot of a lot of the listeners who listen to this podcast, they're very serious about their faith. And so when they look you know, at their lives, some of them might feel called to be, be pastors or ministry yeah. leaders. Others want to do what you're doing and uh, lead in a, in a secular vocation, but at the same time, keep those Christian morals and, and obligations that you talked about in pa- intact. Yeah. And so maybe speak to that. How do you, how do you ensure that as a, as a Christian leader leading in a, in a secular world and secular businesses, how do you continue to lead with your faith to the forefront? Yeah, and, and um, I'd say faith is uh, first and foremost with me, um, but in a publicly traded company, I would say it can't be out front, uh, but there's ways that people know that I'm Christians. One, sure. I, I lead, uh, I lead in the church, and yeah. so I teach life group. And so, uh, as I see young people, I can ask them, "Hey, you involved in the church?" And then that leads down a path that mm-hmm. that I can, they say yes or no, and then I can go down whatever path they want to go down. Uh, so that gives me an opportunity because I can share about my church and what it means to me and my testimony talk about kids. So I always look at ways to uh, weave in an opportunity to talk about my faith. Um, am I very direct and abrupt? No. Uh, I deal with customers, and so I don't drink. And so uh, when I'm out at customer dinners, nine out of ten people, Shelly Simpson, a peer of mine, she's the chief commercial officer. She doesn't drink either. She goes to Cross Church. And so when we're out there, like, well, why don't y'all drink? Well, because of our faith. And that leads yeah. to another discussion yeah. that we can have. And so there's just different ways that you can kind of lead, but it's more about modeling um, the what the Bible says on how you treat people, how you interact with people, mm-hmm. uh, comments you do or do not make about other individuals, um, and being high in integrity. Then over time they'll start, hey, I've noticed this, or then they, they'll have a problem and they seek you out for that. And so I have a lot of people that approach me about being a mentor or younger people. And I try to, as much as I can, uh, be able to do that. And so I think how you talk followed up by how you walk and that mm. walk follows that talk. When people see some consistency there, they'll seek you out and want to know why. And so I think I do a lot of mine through my walk. And then that gives me an opportunity yeah. to talk about it. And so in a publicly traded company, I think that's the key to that. 
Um, and then I can have conversations with customers and mm-hmm. various different people as you get to talk about your family and right. what your son does. Okay, well, how do they get into that? And so then you kind of, yeah. there's all kinds of avenues. It's not a ABC, here's how yeah. it goes. It's you just got to be looking for those opportunities as they come up to you. That's big. When you think about your career up to this point, what do you know now that you wish you would have known at the beginning? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say um, I had no idea what I was looking for in a job. I'd worked since I'd been 14, Mm -hmm. either on the farm or in a grocery store or driving school bus, various different things. And the thing that, that I wish I knew then at the beginning of my career it is really, I would say, I was stubborn, and I wish I'd been a little bit more open-minded to some things about how I thought things were going to go. So, hmm. again, uh, it kind of goes back to listening. I, I've, I've struggled with that from time to time. And so I wish I would have been humble in approaching more people. Now I'm, I don't have a problem going and asking people for right. thoughts or hey, I need some coaching on this. But back then, I tried to pride myself on figuring it out on my own Mm. when if I'd gone to some more coaches with people that had a little bit more experience, um, I think it would have made a difference. Now, the other thing I would just say is I think people are more – it may be trendy, it may be the hip thing to do, uh, to have mentors. That wasn't cool back when I was younger. Uh, You toughed it out, pulled up your bootstraps and go figured it out. But I wish I'd had more input from more people. Yeah. And so I didn't have a lot of my, if you hear my testimony, uh, where I grew up, I didn't have a good, a lot of good positive influences when I was young. Mm. I wish I could have uh, been able to seek a few more of those out, and that would have helped me early on make more wise decisions than what I did. Wow. So you've talked about what you wish you had known. Yeah. When you go to hiring leaders, what are the things that you're looking for? Yeah, the first thing I'm looking for, uh, we, we've got a lot of things that uh, that we look for in our jobs. We like a lot of, um, I'll tell you what we look for, we look for first-generation uh, college kids because we're hiring blue-collar folks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we go get the four points from U of A, we hire a few of those, but not many. It's very technical stuff, but in operations roles, we need blue-collar folks that's not afraid to roll up their sleeves and go to work. It's a hard work ethic. It's a hard work ethic. So we want, um, we're looking for a B or C student. We're looking for somebody to work their way through school. Well, that's um, encouraging to some of these folks because <laughs> they're know. saying, they're yeah. saying hey, I, I, I can do this. Yeah. So, Well, if I can do it, they can do it. That's, that's right. That's for sure. But, yeah, so, but I look for somebody. Then when I'm actually interviewing, um, when I was interviewing in those positions, what I was looking for is – someone that's flexible, adaptable. Uh, when they start putting, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that and I can't do this, that's not going to work in our world. So you got to be flexible. you got to be humble. you got to show a willingness uh, to work, um, to hard work ethic, because in our jobs uh, there's some nights and weekends that's required from time to time. And so if somebody's coming in saying, I can't do that, then I'm thinking they're pretty inflexible. Um, so flexibility, I don't want to be on nights and weekends forever. Um, but I was willing to do that to earn my stripes, to get somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you still got to do that in our world. There may be other jobs out there, yep. but in our world, we're 24, seven, 365 days a year. Um, so you still got to be able to do that. That's a good word. Yeah. Now, 
J.B. Hunt, the business, has made an incredible impact on Northwest Arkansas. Not just the business itself, yeah. but individuals in it. For sure. And so, as a leader, how important is it to be involved in your community and, and not just lead within your sphere of influence, but also gain influence outside of the business? Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's very important. Uh, I'm part of the Northwest Arkansas Council, and so that was a, a regional council that's made up of a lot of uh, companies now, but the key uh, founders were Mr. Hunt, Mr. Walton, uh, Mr. Simmons, and Mr. Tyson, and uh, the University of Arkansas. And now they've added to that. So I, I serve on that council, and I represent. I'm on the executive council, and so we serve on that to make an influence in Northwest Arkansas, to make a, a positive influence in Northwest Arkansas. Great place to live. The Waltons pour a tremendous amount of money in here. Uh, probably more than anybody else, the trail system, a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. that they do. But I think it's good for us to serve. That's my way of giving back to the community and then our influence in that. J.B. Hunt, we just got an award for community service for COVID uh, because when COVID first happened in February and March of t- uh, 2020, we were able to get PPE in for hospitals and healthcare providers. Yeah that others couldn't. So we had connections in China that we sourced that. So we donated like $800,000 worth of PPE. And we were having clinics and we're having another one tomorrow at work. So we had the first drive-through clinic in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, We did that, myself and Greer, we volunteered the company for that. Greer Woodruff is our senior VP of safety, strong Christian guy, Um, flying out with him tomorrow to go to California. A uh, good friend of mine, and so we volunteered the company, and now we've had lots of volunteers uh, that's been able to do shots, do the first drive-through clinic for Bella Vista. When we were doing in February, we were doing it for seniors. So it's important for us to have influence, and so there's a lot of great Christians at J.B. Hunt, and so that's how we influence the community Absolutely. is through all those service opportunities and doing things like that. So it's important to be a great influence at work, but also in the community but you still got to influence your family as well. And so you got to put your first priorities uh, through all that. And so my wife and I teach a young married uh, class here. At, and so we tell them, you got to do the first thing. You got to take care of your personal salvation first, your faith. You tell me not to hit the table and say I'm hitting the table. <laughs> so, um, and your faith, yourself, your family. And then your work, and you got to get that all balanced. And outside of that, you can start doing the community. Uh, but you got to take care of your faith. There's so many things that can pull you away. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Travel, baseball, dance, all those other things. There's a balance in there as long as it doesn't affect your faith and chip away at that slowly. So anyway, I can get in a whole sermon on how to do all that. Now, hey, we'll that. let you preach to us. Yeah. So there are a lot of folks who have heard this, and JV Hunt is on their radar for the first time, and they're saying. You know, i got to start a career somewhere. Yep. If they're interested in J.B. Hunt, how would they start that conversation? They need to start that by going to look at our website. Okay. We have a J.B. Hunt uh, people website, and they can look at job opportunities all across the country. We're hiring. We've got openings. Uh, literally, we have hundreds of openings. We're growing like crazy Wow. Uh, through this pandemic. The supply chain has been messed up. Um, we're growing. Our peers are not growing. So if you look at... Some of our competitors, their truck counts are not growing. We are growing. And so we've got a ripe opportunity for a lot. And so if you get in, you can work your way up fast. And so you can go look at our website to be able to do that. 
if you want to go to Dallas, a lot of people from here are from Texas. I go to the U of A. You can go back home to Dallas, Houston. We got openings everywhere. If you want to go to L.A., New York, we got those as well. So That's incredible. You want to go, if you want to stay here, we have those opportunities as well. So we're looking for a lot of good folks, and uh, we'd be uh, happy to have them. Hey, this has been inspiring to me, yeah, just kind of hearing about the leadership pipeline, lessons that yeah. you've learned, and just to know that there are folks like you who are leading out in significant ways, yeah. not just at J.B. Hunt, but at companies all across the world. Yeah. So thank you for that. Any yeah. last word you'd like to give to high school, college students, young adults thinking about their future? No, I would just say, as you kind of think about your future, you need to go to a place that, one, is growing, uh, two, that their morals and I talked about this earlier, their morals, their worldviews align with where you're at. Sometimes you may not have a choice, but I would go find some place to make a living, and then before I found where I was going to live a career and have a career, I'd find somebody that aligns that way, and they're out there. You yeah. Yeah. Look for them. yeah, That's a good word. Hey, we're excited about the Lead Defend Conference coming up on yeah. March 5th, 2022. Going to be a great time. Thankful for First Baptist Rogers, um, yeah. where both Nick and Brock are apart, letting us host this podcast right here for this episode. Hey, thank you guys so much, and until next time, this has been Lead Defend. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.